This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors. Welcome. Welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, February 13th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. And we're halfway through the month of February. And of course, there are always events in the news that can. Uh, affect the market, and we're in the midst of one that's pretty concerning. The coronavirus seems to, in, in, by some measures, be leveling out, but at least that was the news yesterday, and that kind of switched today, right, with uh, a new surge in, in cases, and a lot of it has to do with how they classify it, you know, if they actually were tested positive for it or they just have the symptoms. But nonetheless, China still is in the midst of a pandemic. There's no other way around it. And certainly there's supply chain impacts across various industries. And we're all going to be feeling the effects in some way or another either in a minor way by uh, certain products maybe having longer lead times or at a stock and possibly in a more dramatic way if you start to see person-to-person infection here in the United States and around the world. So certainly a lot to, to cover and I do think that this is an underappreciated event so far. Uh, it, it continues to grow, uh, and there hasn't been that much market volatility, right? The market closed yesterday uh, at an all-time high, and what that's telling you is the market either doesn't care or it's being levitated through central bank liquidity either in China or here in the United States, and you know you might say a little bit of both. Now, I'm Justin Klein. I hope you will call me in this hour with your question. It can be about individual company, a stock, an asset class. Whatever it is, I want to hear from you. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on this radio show and podcast. Now, one way Steve and I are able to help our listeners implement a philosophy of consistency and and logic, right? That's really what we're here to do is help you understand the marketplace and apply logical solutions to your problem of achieving financial freedom. Now we do this with our own philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. You know, we're, we're not CNBC. This is not Kramer. We're here to give you some unbiased guidance and recommend investment strategies that we implement for ourselves. You know, we're very income focused as uh, a firm. And we invest right alongside our clients, which we call parallel investing. So that's our philosophy. That's what we try to implement for our clients and help you implement as listeners. 
Well, now that I set things up, I'm here and ready to answer your investing and finance questions right now at 888-99-CHART. So our phone lines are open. Now, you probably heard the news. Steve Peasley has already filled up his appointment slots for San Jose, February 27th. But we've added a new date, and it'll be me. I will be traveling to San Jose to meet with listeners and clients for portfolio review consultations. That's March 20th. That's a Friday. So if you're a serious investor, you want to take advantage of the next opportunity to get a personalized, no-cost, no-obligation portfolio review, just head over to investtalk.com and then click on portfolio review, fill it out, and we will set you up with a, a meeting if that slot is available. Now, my main talking point today concerns a report that the FTC will investigate hundreds of past acquisitions made by big tech, including Microsoft, Google, Apple, Amazon, and Facebook. So we're going to touch on that. And that actually feeds through to another topic of index funds and how this has become the most crowded trade in history. And I think this is uh, probably one of the biggest risks in the market today is the fact that in indexing has become institutionalized in a lot of ways. Uh, and it's become a mantra that simply simply creates a ton of risk for those that are in index funds if it ever reverse, reverses. Uh, and there's been a lot of institutionalization of money flows in index funds. And that feeds into the power of a lot of these large corporations. So we're going to touch on that. Also, there's so this the new SECURE Act that was passed by Congress. It has raised the limit, actually eliminated the limit for IRA contributions past the age of 70 and a half. So we're going to talk about what that means exactly and whether you should actually do it, even if you're not 70 and a half now, maybe you will be in the future and you have to decide, do I continue to contribute to an IRA now that I can? And then lastly, what would happen if the Democrats end up in a deadlock for a presidential nominee? Certainly still a lot of battling going on. I don't think anybody really knows who the candidate is going to be. But, uh, you know, will the Democratic Party know who the candidate is uh, by the time the convention comes in a few months? So we're going to touch on that as well. So those are the things that are on my mind. Those are the things that I want to talk about. But ultimately, what is on your mind is most important. So give us a call. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Now let's take a look at the market today. You had the S&P down slightly, about 5.5 points. You had the Dow down about 128 points. The NASDAQ composite was down about 14 points. So a very modest down day overall. The ACWI, All World Index, that was down eh, a little less than half a percent. So a modest down day on basically, I think the news that you know this coronavirus is not gonna go away soon. That's the bottom line. It's spread in a pandemic pandemic way in China, and the incubation period's too long. Uh, people are gonna start to go back to work, which I think is gonna make it harder to control. Right before, everyone was on vacation; they were back home with their families, and they can quarantine them easier because they didn't have places to go, right? They didn't have jobs to get to. It was the holiday. Now they're trying to get back to work because China is the engine of the world's manufacturing base. 
And now that it's, it's spreading worldwide in a very slow manner, which is good, but it's going to take, I think, at least a month, I think more like two or three months, before you actually see this even come close to calming down and getting the world back to normal, at least China back to normal is really what we're talking about because we've already seen supply disruptions of certain components. Remember, if, you have a, if you're making, say, a car, car is an extreme example because there are thousands of parts in a car, but almost any product has dozens of components. Many of them are sourced from different countries. And even if they aren't sourced from China, they're probably put together in China. I know one of my best friends, uh, his company, they produce thousands of ten, hundreds of thousands of units every year. Batteries come from uh, South Korea, uh, the microchips as well. The motor comes from Japan. Uh, some other components come from Germany, but it's all put together in China. So, and the backbone of their of their uh, manufacturing base is being disrupted, and I think this is going to have wide ranging consequences. We just talked, we saw it today. MGM, for example, MGM is suspending their guidance. Why? Because Macau is shut down. So, this is something that is going to be ongoing, and it's not being appreciated by markets nearly enough at this point. As you've likely noticed, Steve and I have make it a practice to fit in as many caller questions as possible. So let's grab one now. This caller question came in earlier at 888 chart Hey, it's Adam from Los Angeles. Love the show. I was reading in Seeking Alpha. Somebody was saying that gold was in a long-term bull market. I wanted to see if you agreed with that. And also, what does that mean for silver? Thanks very much. Uh, I actually do agree with that. I think the bull market started in 2016. We, I mean, it depends on how long you go back. Uh, there was a very big bull move uh, in gold starting in uh, around the 2000. Uh, and you, if I've, I've presented on this in different webinars and conferences, but there's a strong correlation to the deficit and gold prices. So if deficit rises, typically the gold gold prices go down, or sorry, go up. If the deficit shrinks, which in the back half of the Obama era, it kind of did, right, or at least flattened out, gold prices typically go down. And that's what you saw from 2012-ish to 2015-16. But ever since 2016, and the start, the explosive start to that, uh, that move in the first half of 2016, Gold's been in an uptrend. Hasn't been a powerful one yet, but it's been in an uptrend. So absolutely, I do think we are in a gold bull market long term because I think the deficit is out of control. And you see that. The Fed is monetizing the debt. We've gotten to that point. Uh, 10,000 baby boomers retire every single year. So they go from paying taxes to now collecting Medicare and Social Security. And you have politicians that are promising more and more help. It may not be Bernie, but even some of the other, many of the other Democratic candidates, they are 
promising more help for uh, with social programs. And just the demographics of our country make it so it's nearly impossible without major economic pain, political disruption to shrink the deficit. And I think that means it's it's only inevitable that gold goes higher and silver along with it. So I like both. I think everybody should have exposure in their portfolios to both markets. Now, I just talked about the coronavirus, and so let's go over some major statistics. Uh, so far in the U.S., there have only been about four. I think they just diagnosed the 15th. Uh, where was it? I'm trying to remember where it Oh, I think it was here in California in one of the, uh, the quarantine in a military base somewhere out in the desert, but that was the 15th, I believe. In China, there's now over, uh, worldwide, there's over 60,000, about 590, sorry, 59,000 are in China. 254 deaths in one day in China, so starting to see that death toll ramp up here. And there's a ripple effect in many industries, clearly with the iPhone and, and, and Apple, the Foxconn workers are not fully back to work. Travel industry, I think Expedia, Airbnb, they've suspended bookings to the Chinese capital of Beijing until May 1st. Think about that. It's only February. February and March and April. So you're talking about three months of no travel there. And then think of all the travel outside of China from Chinese uh, citizens around the world. That's certainly been shut down as well. Now, cruise line riding shares are, are down. Uh, we talked about MGM, but also Wynn was 2% lower as Macau is, Macau's market is three times larger than Vegas. That's one thing most people don't understand. When you're buying Wynn or MGM, a lot of these casino stocks, much, much more of their earnings in today's world come from Macau, not Las Vegas. Even Las Vegas Sands, LVS, majority of their business is actually in Macau. So that's really big. Nike has closed 50% of its stores in China. Commodity markets, certainly because of less demand for things like oil and natural gas, that's certainly been hit. Now in Australia, iron ore. Iron ore is a big export to China from Australia. And many of those freighters are returning to Australia because they can't uh, unload. So many, many ramifications for the global economy because of the coronavirus. So it's not clearly the human toll is the most important. But in this show, we talk more about the economy. And this is probably the biggest out of left field economic event that I've seen in many, many, many years. So something that certainly needs to be monitored and the market's not paying enough attention to it. This is Invest Talk, streaming live Monday through Friday in the 4 o'clock Pacific time hour and available for free download as a condensed podcast. You can browse by topic at investtalk.com and you can download, rate, and review at Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Give me a call. I want to hear from you at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? 
Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Hi, I'm calling to get your thoughts on a stock for Align Technology Incorporation, ticker ALGN. I bought it back in September of 2018 when it was at its high of 368 and actually entered into the class action lawsuit for that time. But I haven't heard anything about that class action lawsuit. And I'm wondering if I should hold the stock at this point or sell it and try to get into something better. Uh, your thoughts are definitely appreciated. Thanks. Bye. All right, she's looking at Align Corporation. A-L-G-N is the symbol, Align Technologies, excuse me. Uh, revenue up 22% last quarter, earnings up 28% after a couple quarters before that where rev- earnings were falling. Uh, and they're seeing a reacceleration of growth here, and that's why you've seen the stock come from a uh, 52-week low of 660 call it $170 a share. Now we're at $272 a share. Now, it's certainly not a cheap stock. Uh, at enterprise value to EBITDA is 36, but it's growing. So you're going to pay an above average multiple. Now it's probably 10 to 30% above what I would feel comfortable with on the uh, that, that multiple. But <clears throat> this is a company that makes uh, Invisalign, right? And this is the kind of the new way that people are fixing and realigning their teeth and, uh, there's a lot of growth, uh, I, I believe, ahead for this type of business. Uh, now, however, is this the going to be the only player? There's certainly uh, likely going to be uh, competition coming in. Uh, and China manufacturing, they, they manufacture in China, so how much will the coronavirus affect their ability to, to manufacture uh, in the near term as well as potentially long term? You know, I just think it's expensive. Um, I like the name. I like the company. But the fact that, um, you know, it's trading at such a high multiple makes it, makes it hard for me to, to really bite. Now, technically, it's pretty strong. It's been consolidating now for about three months, four months, uh, in a very bullish manner. And I'll say that. Um, so I like that. Uh, I like the fact that they remi- they're now uh, cash flow. Let's see, are they cash flow positive? Let's take a look at this. It is, yeah, cash flow positive, nice free cash flow, trading to a month of $609 million on a market cap of $21 billion. minimal debt, I like that. So, you know, it is a little expensive from a multiple perspective, but I still like the company, I like the trajectory, I like the technicals. Um, it's going to need to continue to grow. You have any hiccups in growth, it's going to fall out of bed just like it did last year, right? This went from $400 a share to 170 rather quickly. Uh, and if you have another hiccup again because of whatever, uh, you're going to see a swift downside on the stock. But overall, I like it. My main talking point today concerns the report. The FTC will investigate hundreds of past acquisitions made by big tech, including Microsoft, Google, Apple, Amazon, and Facebook. Now, this is coming down from the Federal Trade Commission. And 
their focus is on deals of companies that could have potentially developed into larger businesses, but were small acquisitions at the time. Typically, large acquisitions need to be approved by the FTC in general, but a number of these deals, often very private deals, right, not buying public companies, but buying private companies, they, they go down without any disclosure, any review from regulators. And he's saying, or the FTC is saying, that the, a number of these deals could be unwound if some of the mergers are seen to be anti-competitive, uh, abu abuse of, of power, right, the size of their businesses. And there are hundreds of deals being looked at right now. And their goal is really to keep the tech markets open and competitive. And they say, quote, the orders will help the FTC deepen its understanding of large technology firms' acquisition activity, including how these firms report their transactions to the federal antitrust agencies and whether large tech companies are making potentially anti-competitive acquisitions of nascent or potential competitors that fall below HSR filing thresholds and therefore do not need to be reported to the antitrust agencies. And this is something that, end quote, sorry. And this is something that, it's been talked about for a long time, but as these companies get bigger and bigger and bigger, they're more able to wield their power, you know, write a check for $20 million, $50 million, $500 million, below thresholds that need scrut that, that, that warrant scrutiny. So they're looking at deals for YouTube, for example, Instagram, for example, all of these at the time were well below the threshold of antitrust scrutiny. So they're trying to reverse years of under-regulation and make them more accountable. So this is a big threat. And after the break, I'm going to talk about one of the big reasons why these large companies are able to wield their power. It has to do with index funds. Now, in the next Invest Talk, this story, breaking up Alphabet could unlock value because the parts are believed to be worth more than the whole. That story tomorrow. I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions right now at 888-99-CHART. Your typical workday can be very busy. Assignments, appointments, responsibilities, obligations. Sometimes you start early and end late. For that reason alone, you may already be looking to the future to a period when your money, your accumulated assets are working for you and ultimately creating financial freedom. There are many voices suggesting financial planning services, but there's one company, one firm that offers a balanced variety of strategically designed investment plans. One firm that applies decades of experience to enable a client personalized collaboration. One firm that can show you how to optimize an investment portfolio that fits your lifestyle objectives and risk tolerance limitations. One firm that speaks with a clear, logical, and unbiased voice. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial or visit kppfinancial.com. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where Invest Talk hosts and KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein practice 
parallel investing. That means Stephen Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing at investtalk.com. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. We have about twenty three minutes left in the show, so give me a call if you have any questions. Now, before the break, I touched on the antitrust scrutiny that's coming down right now on the big five tech companies, and what's little understood about the power uh, of these large companies that you know m- many of them are now worth over a trillion dollars is that index funds are perpetuating their power. And why is that? Well, it's because investing in, in, investing in, in index funds has become an almost an institutionalized event. Rules around 401ks and limiting fees has pushed almost all 401ks into index funds alone. And then on top of that, you have the applications and apps that are popular by with young people like Betterment and you know all these robo-advisors. And they're simply also putting these investors into mixes of index funds. And as of August, August 31st of last year, just a few months ago, the total amount of assets in index funds surpassed those of active funds. And there's now about a billion dollars a day moving into passive index funds. And what this does is it's blindly putting money to work in a set of companies and it's funneling money out of all the other companies that aren't in the index. So if you actually look at companies in versus companies out of the index, objectively, there's much better value outside of the indexes. Why? Because people are investing blindly in index funds without any regard to valuation. And as these large corporations get bigger and bigger, most of these indexes are market cap weighted. Therefore, the majority of the money that's going into the index funds goes into a handful of companies. And therefore, it gets naturally heavier and heavier, top heavy and heavy. So Microsoft, for example, is 5% of the S&P. Apple 4.88, Amazon 3.2, Facebook 1.8, Google 1.62, or actually there's Alphabet A and Alphabet C, so that's about three, about 3.2 together. So you're talking about 20% of all money going into the S&P 500 index funds goes to these top five companies. Therefore, what can they do? Well, they can pay people a lot more with equity. Why? Because the equity value is worth more. 
so they can pay people more, they can get the best talent, and then they can use equity as currency to go out there and buy businesses because that equity is richly valued. And so the institutional nature of indexing is creating a wealth divide of the haves and have-nots, not just between individuals, but corporations as well. So it's something that's not talked about enough, and it's created a very overvalued trade, over overcrowded trade, excuse me, that if reverses, will get quite ugly. Let's go to Noel and Napa looking at the market in general. Hi, Justin. Noel, you there? Yeah, how you doing? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry about the delay. Um, yeah, I, I, did you happen to see a recent comment uh, uh, by, uh, is, it, is his first name Jerry Munger? Uh, yeah, yeah, Mr. Munger Charlie used Munger. to be number two guy at uh, Berkshire Hathaway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he uh, recently made a comment about uh, Abita, how so many... EBITDA, how so many people use it, but he views it as kind of worthless. I was just wondering what you thought about it. That it was kind of, that that EBITDA was worthless. Yeah. Well, I, I certainly think there 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 are lim there are limitations to to every metric. Right. You know, we've talked mm -hmm. I've talked at nauseum about how earnings in general are just are, are very. Uh, are very flawed uh, because of the way that uh, companies report nowadays. Uh, book value in a lot of ways today is very flawed as well in the way that uh, companies write down assets in order to, uh, for tax purposes, etc. Um, so there are flaws in every single metric that you look at. You just have to understand what they are and what industries, certain metrics maybe matter more than others, for example. But um, you know, EBITDA is one that simply can filter out a lot of the noise uh, of depreciation schedules and interest expense uh, and, and really get down to what is the what kind of profit is the underlying business uh, creating. Now, do you, do you completely ignore depreciation? Does that not matter? No, because certainly factories, equipment, those wear out over time and depreciation is supposed to account for those particular things. Uh, and interest expense is something that companies have to pay. Uh, and if you are an acquirer of that company, you're going to have to pay off the debt in order to not pay it. So uh, it certainly has uh, its, its flaws. Um, but once again, it's one metric that I think everyone should understand and look at uh, in conjunction with many others to get the full picture of the business. Make sense, Joel? I guess so. Thanks for the call, Joel. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk, and you are in good company. And our podcast hosting company, Libsyn, keeps statistics for us. And it's pretty amazing how much we've grown over the past, what are we now, 12, 13 years uh, into the podcast. And Many thousands of people download our program each and every day. And Steve and I thank you for that. And we're now over 20 million downloads in history. And uh, it's pretty crazy 
Uh, it's taken a lot of hours, both behind the scenes and obviously in front of the mic. Uh, but we thank you all for your support. I hope you will tell your fen- friends and family members about Invest Talk and our website, investtalk.com. There's some great resources for you. Now, of course, you can call our 24, our, our KP financial offices in Irvine, California, if you ever need any help. You can sit down with us, Skype, phone call, FaceTime. There's a lot of ways to sit down. Get in touch with us about and, and tell us your story. Tell us your plan, and we can give you some great feedback on how to make it better. So we want to help. But for now, our phone lines are open at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Steve Peasley will be in San Jose, California to conduct his no-cost and no-obligation portfolio review consultations on February 27th. But Steve has already filled his appointment schedule for that day. So, a new consultation date has been added. On March 20th, Justin Klein will travel to San Jose. Serious investors should go to the portfolio review page at investtalk.com and register early for the best times. And now, you want unbiased answers, and Steve and Justin are ready to take your questions. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. My name is John. I'm from Kalamazoo, Michigan. I just have a quick question on the cannabis industry. Right now, obviously, as you can tell, it's gone down significantly since 2018, pretty much two years ago. And... I was really wondering what you guys think about the stock in general and if you really think that now is the time to buy because what I'm looking at is getting in really low and it does have an extreme amount of potential. That's my opinion. I'm really curious as to what you guys think about it. Thank you and you guys have a good day. I think the cannabis industry does have a ton of potential. There's a lot of black market spending that is now going to come onto the legitimate market and we're doing it in a, in a slow way right now but as soon as legalization nationally happens which I definitely think if a Democrat gets in office there will be full federal legalization or rescheduling it at least uh, so it's not a schedule one uh, drug uh, there will be some explosion in that market uh, the problem this is the problem with the spaces, there are many legit companies and many very poorly run, borderline fraudulent companies that are public, that are public. Uh, And even the legitimate ones, they may be approaching the market in a way that isn't that profitable. Uh, And that's why I talk about, I rather own companies that have distribution, uh, know how to build a brand, uh, maybe you have proprietary technology around the manufacturing process, that type of thing. Uh, I would not own companies that simply grow it. Right? I just—it's it, a weed. It's easy to to grow, and uh, I believe it'll be oversaturated, and it'll become a commodity. And commodity producers tend to have very low margins, so. I would definitely stay away from those type of companies and you really need to do your homework in making sure that you know that these companies have sustainability, they have good leadership and their leadership is coming from a business background. Right? This is an area where true businessmen will come in and eat the lunch of those who 
just quote unquote want to be in the cannabis business because it's cool or it's fun or it's interesting is because they use it or whatever, right? At the end of the day, this is becoming a legitimate business and legitimate businesses succeed based on leadership of legitimate businessmen. So really looking at the background of their leadership is by far the most important aspect because you're right, you are investing in an area that has big tailwinds. But the companies that will succeed in the long run are the ones who can spread their their net the widest uh, and ride those tailwinds as far as possible and know how to do it. Thanks for the call. Great question. 888 chart 888 We have about seven minutes left. So if you're going to call, you need to do it right now. Now, there was a recent passage of the SECURE Act, uh, which changed a lot of aspects of the retirement world in the United States from required minimum distributions. And uh, there's, there's a lot of chatter in, in tax circles as well. But there are some big changes that affect some people. And one of the big ones is going to be that you can now contribute to your IRA after the age of 62, provided that you have earned income. Okay, So earned income. And this is a a very important distinction, which I'll get to in a second. But prior to this passage, people could not contribute to an IRA if they were 70 and a half or older. So once you start how to take your RMDs, you cannot contribute back to that IRA. Now that's changed. Now before that wasn't a big deal because only 10% of people in 1985 over the age of 65 were working. Now more than 20% of people over the age of 65 are working as of last year. And we're working longer, healthier, and wealthier lives. More, more affluent older workers are less inclined to need their RMDs as well. And so they're more likely to have discretionary cash on hand to re-contribute to those IRAs if they have some earned income. Now, what is earned income exactly? Well, income from a job, net earnings from self-employment, for example, and disability benefits all count as earned income. What is an earned income? Well, Social Security is an earned income. Portfolio income, dividends, and interest, that's not income or earned income. Pension income, not earned income. Annuity payments, RMDs, and rental property income, those do not count as earned income. So don't think just because you have some rental properties or you have a pension coming in, or you're collecting Social Security, that that is going to count, and you're going to be able to use that to contribute to an IRA. You won't. Now, this is really just catching up with things like a Roth IRA or even a 401k. If you're in a 401k and you're still working, you can continue to contribute after you're 70 and a half. So this is kind of putting traditional IRAs on the same footing. Remember, you have to make as much as a contribution. And you can even make it for your spouse. So say you make $15,000 in a year. Well, the max in an IRA is $7,000 because you're over the age of 50. Well, you can also do that for your spouse as well, even if they're not working. Okay, 
assuming you're filing jointly. So be aware of that, that this is, this is an option now, something to think about. And I think you should take advantage of it if you're in that situation. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here each weekday on Invest Talk, and that is to help you take that next step in your own version of financial freedom. We're going to our last segment, and our work continues after the break. So get your questions in right now. You have no more time left. You have to do it right now at 888 chart. Talk. This story, breaking up Alphabet, the parent of Google, could unlock value because the parts are believed to be worth more than the whole. That story tomorrow. But now Justin Klein is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call Justin, 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, love the show. Had a quick question about Pfizer. I was wondering if this was a good spot to pick some up at. Uh, they just went below the lower Bollinger curve here. Mind you, of course, that that lower band might just be high with how high the market's been. So I'm not sure if that's a great indicator right now. You know, Pfizer did fall uh, short on earnings the last report. A potential good buy and was uh, wondering what you guys thought. Thanks. Love the show, guys. Uh, I'm not a fan of Pfizer. Their financials are looking pretty rough lately. If you look at their uh, cash flow operations, they're declining uh, pretty dramatically from about $18 billion in the second quarter of 2018. And last quarter, they were at about $14.5 billion, trailing 12 months. So uh, I, I don't love their that, that trajectory. Uh, their revenue is declining uh, 9% last quarter, 5% the quarter before, 2% the quarter before that. So three straight quarters of revenue decline and two straight quarters of earnings decline down 13% last quarter. Uh, earnings this year are expected to be down 8%. It's supposed to rebound next year, but I'm not seeing it. The chart looks pretty bearish. Yields 4.1%, but their cash dividend pay ratio is 73%. And if the trajectory of their cash flow continues to decline, then I, I see that as as an issue. So I don't think they have a lot of room to raise their their dividend, and they have about fifty billion dollars in debt on their balance sheet. So I'm just not a fan of it. I think there's a lot better options out there uh, in the marketplace than Pfizer. Now let's keep going. Here comes another caller question at eight 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 ninety nine chart. Hi, my name is Tiana, and I'm from Chicago. I'm in school for business right now. I've been listening to you guys' podcast for a couple months now. My question is, how much of your portfolio should you put into, like, ETFs and mutual funds if your risk tolerance is pretty low right now? You're just trying to set up your portfolio to take on more risk. I am pretty young, though. I'm only 22, so I can handle risk, but I'm not really looking to take that much while I'm setting up my portfolio. Well, if you're talking about ETFs and mutual funds, that can mean a lot of things. Uh, ETFs and mutual funds span the the gamut from equities to currencies to bonds to commodities uh, and in between uh, and in a mix of, of all those. So it's hard for me to say what you know that you should or shouldn't buy them because I don't know which ones you're looking at. Now, if you're not looking to take 
a, a ton of risk here. I think you need to have a, a mix of strong dividend paying stocks uh, with strong balance sheets, uh, as well as some commodity exposure, especially precious metals. I think that's a uh, definitely a place that you want to have exposure to. High grade corporate bonds, whether that's uh, that's international or domestic. Uh, maybe some treasuries in there as well that will keep you relatively low, low risk, but I wouldn't go far out on the on the uh, duration curve. I mean, I wouldn't buy long-term treasury bonds or anything like that, but having some some exposure there. Um, so having a, a diversified mix of relatively safe assets is probably the best thing right now uh, if you're not trying to, to take a, a lot of risk as you grow your portfolio. But make sure that you don't lump in all ETFs together, all mutual funds together, because they run the gamut. There's all different types, both good and bad, and in between. Uh, you know, most are fairly average. Uh, some are very good. Uh, a lot depends on what you're looking for, what your goal is. Uh, is your time horizon short, medium, long term? Risk tolerance low, medium, high? All those factors come into play. And so, uh, for you or anyone else out there listening. You have to think about all of these things dynamically. That's what we do for clients when we sit down and talk to them. What are your goals? What's your risk tolerance? What do you have now? How do you make adjustments in order to set yourself up long term? But great call, great question, and uh, glad you're enjoying the show, and good luck to you uh, there in Chicago. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I will return next week. Steve Peasley will return. We'll host the program tomorrow. But the market will be closed on Monday for President's Day. Just remember that. Remember that you can access our free Invest Talk podcast downloads at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And be sure to listen, rate, and review. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.